You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. My guest today is the Athletics' Tony Jones, back to talk draft tiers with just a couple of days before the 2020 NBA draft. Tony, thanks for coming on board. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. You know, uh, when I worked at ESPN, they typically had me doing like eight to 10 mock drafts, eight to 10 big boards, you know, every year. And and I got to confess, I hated it uh, to a certain extent because one, I don't think it's that's exactly how teams typically themselves think about, you know, ranking prospects. And, and two, it wasn't like if you're, you know, pick five on a big board that the guy that is pick six isn't the right pick, you know, for you. And, and, and I love this idea of draft tiers, which a number of teams, you know, employ, which says that, look, we sort of group prospects based off of what, how we project them to succeed in the NBA. And then within that tier, a team may take into a, an account an individual need, right? And so you don't, you don't skip tiers. If there's a tier two guy on the board, you don't take a th- tier three guy, even if the tier three guy is a fit. But if there are multiple guys left on tier two, and one of those is a better fit with your team and your roster, absolutely you may prioritize that player you know, over someone else. And, and it's always been sort of a really helpful guide. And you know what I've done every year for the last you know, decade plus is pull a lot of NBA scouts and execs and, and try to get a feel for, okay, is this a tier one guy for you, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five, tier six, and, and start to group them together. And so uh, what I, what I want to do today is, is just have a conversation about you put together your tiers. Okay. I've got, I've got mine. I want to give a quick definition of the tiers for, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this concept. Tier one players are potential NBA superstars. Players with the potential to be franchise-type prospects make multiple all-star teams in their career. Tier two players are potential NBA all-stars. Players with the potential to be the best player on their team to make at least one all-star team in their career. Tier three players project as a high-level NBA starter. Players with the potential to spend most of their career as a starter, playoff-caliber team. Tier four players are potential NBA starters and rotation players. They may start at some point in their careers, but most likely the role for them is as an impact player coming off the bench. Tier five players are deep rotation players. They're the players you know, eight through 10 in an NBA depth chart. Tier six players are bench players. They're 11th or 12th men on NBA roster. Maybe they're spending significant time in the G League. And at least for me and my tier six, these were players that got at least one vote from a team that said they're in their top 30 or in their first round. And so, you know, there's a lot of variability uh, among teams, and Tony's going to have his own opinion uh, going forward. Um, typically in a draft, I just kind of went and, and ran some numbers uh, from past years. Uh, there's one to two tier one guys. There's two to four tier two guys, three to five tier three guys in a draft. And, and then it, you know, then, then it goes, for, goes from there. And, and that's, that's kind of considered a good draft. And so let's start with the big question. And I'm I'm gonna throw I'm gonna toss it to you, Tony. Is there a tier one player in this draft? Is there a potential superstar? As you look at your own draft rankings and everything that you've seen, does one of these players stand out to you as a tier one prospect? Oh, <laughs> uh, I did not have a tier one guy in this prospect. I did have one guy that got close for me. Okay, uh, and that was Lamelo Ball, and the reason why uh, he he's close for me is because. His two biggest strengths for the NBA level are his ability to separate off the dribble and his ability to handle the, handle the, his ability to play pick and roll. Both both of which are really really good. Uh, also, his ability to pass. And you look at those three; that should get him as close as that would get him closer than anybody to than anybody in this draft uh, to superstar status. But uh, I held back because of his defense. Uh, and because of his shooting. Um, um, so, um, you know, the other, I mean, James Wiseman, I think he, you know, he has ability in terms of um, super athletic for a big, um, um, but there are holes in his game. Same thing with Anthony Edwards. So I do not have a tier one 
uh, player in, in this draft. I do have some tier twos, but I don't have a tier one. All right. Well, Tony, it turns out that that your take on that is really similar to what talking to a lot of NBA teams and what they said. Uh, Lonzo Ball was the the only player to get really any any amount of significant tier one votes. All three of them got like one or two from an NBA team, but balls weren't enough. There wasn't like that. Usually the cutoff is if you can get 50%, right? 50% of the people I talk to put you in that tier. That's your tier. And ball doesn't make that, that cut. He doesn't actually come close. And that's just kind of a big deal because the only, I went back and looked the only other draft that I, that I did uh, in draft tiers that didn't include a tier one prospect was the 2013 NBA draft. And, and we sort of know what sort of happened there. And there was a huge mess at the top, a lot like this draft. There wasn't a consensus number one guy. Teams were fighting uh, all over the place. Cleveland shocks the world and drafts Anthony Bennett. One, I think, tried to, tried to swing for the fences, but it turns out to be a complete strikeout. And so this is part of it, right? When teams are talking about this isn't a great draft, there isn't that obvious superstar. There's not the Zion Williamson. There's not the Anthony Davis uh, that is in this draft to, to make teams really excited. Uh, and, and by the way, sometimes teams are just wrong, by the way, on tier tier one guys. Like Markel Fultz was a tier one guy uh, by the majority of NBA teams in 2017. Lonzo Ball was a tier one guy uh, by most teams. And Jason Tatum did not receive as many tier one votes as he did tier two votes. All right. And so, you know, teams can be off on this as well. And so it may be that one of these players is going to is going to hit it and be tier one. But I think the likelihood right now, when you talk to as many teams as I have, and I've watched the video and you've watched the video, I think this is a pretty safe bet uh, that I'll, I'll be a bit surprised if any of these prospects go and they're an all first team NBA player at some point in their career. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can look at the, the top three prospects Lamella Ball, uh, James Wiseman, and 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 uh, Anthony Anthony Edwards, and you can you can find something there that was like, okay, this is going to uh, this is going to prevent this this person from being tier one. Um, you know, I, I do think those three have have tier one um, attributes to to where you know. They can make this. They can. They can make this wrong. This prognostication wrong, but um, you know. And and I think you know Patrick Williams might have a tier one. Might have a tier one attribute. Uh, um, but you know, I I think I I feel safe putting those guys uh, in tier two. And if there is a tier one guy. Uh, I'm betting that it's Lamelo because you know, I, like I said, when you can run the pick and roll like he can, when you can make decisions like he can, and get into the lane like he can off the dribble, um, he's going to come closest to to putting it. It's like Trey Young, right? Like Trey Young is is a guy that's. You know, I don't think Lamelo is the score that Trey Young is, but he runs pick and roll and he gets into the lane in a similar way that Trey Young does. Uh, so if Lamelo gets to a, uh, a situation, a team where he's he's the guy uh, with the ball in his hand, and we talked about this last podcast, fit is going to be a major thing um, in this draft with with uh, with this class. So you know, let's say Lamelo Ball gets drafted by uh, Minnesota or Golden State. You know, well he's not going to have the ball in his hands. So that's going to prevent him uh, for, you know, at least the life of his rookie contract from from getting to that point. Now, let's say Lomelo Ball goes to the Bulls and the Bulls decide that, you know, they're going to run Kobe White at the two instead of the one. Well, Lomelo Ball is going to have the ball in his hands. Uh, same thing, you know, with Zach Levine as well. You know, I'm not forgetting him. But Lomelo Ball, the point is Lomelo Ball will have the ball in his hands for the majority of the time. And that'll affect that will affect him. So, you know, th- this is one of these the this is one of these classes where uh, nobody's fit proof. Yeah. Uh, you just can't put anybody on any team, and they're going to produce on that team. So, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a lot uh, that goes into this. Totally agree with you. Uh, I think it's an excellent point. 
And you know, it's it's interesting because there's a pride factor with these with these guys. Like I want to go one, I want to go as high as possible in the draft. And you know, part of the advice I used to give these prospects and their family is it's the second contract, not the first. Right? You know, the, the pride is in the second one. If you get drafted five spots higher, but you get drafted into a terrible fit or to a coach that doesn't believe in you or to an offense that just isn't really a great fit for you, the chances that you're gonna make bank on that second contract go down significantly. And so who cares if you're drafted 15 or 16, if you land in the right spot, right team, right opportunity, right system. And like I think you said, none of these uh, players are system proof, right? Uh, right system, they thrive. Poor, poor system, they, they drown, right? <laughs> right opportunity. Right. So, I mean, to that point, right? Let's let's look at a future. Let's look at future drafts where there are going to be guys that are system proof. Um, you know, like when Amoni Bates gets drafted, he's pretty much going to be system proof, right? Like, I would say, you know, K K Cunningham is probably largely system proof. Uh, yeah. it, it might be, you know, it, it might it, it it might you know depend on 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 uh you know who's there at his position uh chet chet's gonna be system proof because i think you're gonna be able to plug him in he's gonna be terrific at the rim he's going he's going to be able to handle the ball i mean those are guys that it kind of really doesn't matter where you draft them you know that cream is going to kind of rise to the top right exactly Uh, zion williamson was probably largely system proof yeah exactly but those prospects don't come along every year, right? But, you know, you put LeBron James on all 30 teams in the league, LeBron James rises to the top no matter what. There's, I don't think there's a coach in the league that could keep LeBron James down, right? Anthony Davis, you know, sort of that same way. And and that's that's part of the weakness in this draft is there's not a player like that. And I think we're all confident in that. In the, but in the right situation, and I think you've alluded to this, in the right situation for Ball or Edwards or Wiseman, maybe they reach that potential and, and we'll come back and say, oh, they should have they should have been in tier one. But uh, I think tier one is reserved for those system-proof type players, right? Um, and that, that's why teams get so excited about them. So let's hear what your tier two is now. So these are potential all-stars, players that we think are, are going to be, you know, the, maybe the best player on their team at some point. Um, they make an all-star team uh, in, in their career. Who do you have in tier two for the 2020 NBA draft, Tony? So I have uh, Anthony Edwards in tier two. I have James Wiseman in tier two. I have LaMelo Ball in tier two. Uh, I have Patrick Williams in tier two. Okay. Uh, Those are my four guys that I have in tier two. Okay, so Tony's got four tier two guys. Uh, I have three of those same guys. I only have three in mind, Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman. Uh, Tony adds Patrick Williams uh, to the mix right now. And, And by the way, Patrick Williams got some tier two votes. Uh, from some NBA teams. And so I think there are some teams that when you look outside those top three for upside, some teams are seeing that uh, with Williams. Williams is probably just a, a even a bigger work in progress uh, than the other three are. are and so you've got to uh, project a little bit here. Uh, the interesting thing, again, with with these prospects, because they're not system proof, is because there aren't players going ahead of them that are pushing them down maybe into teams where they're going to f- find the right fit. I'm just curious, like in your mind, Tony, what would be just ideally, if you could pick any team in the league and put these these players on that team, what do you think would be the ideal fit for LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman? Any team in the league. We put Anthony Edwards on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um okay. Because I think that he is the starting shooting guard from day one. Um, and that team is starving for wing scoring, starving for it. Um, so I, I actually think that, that Minnesota should not overthink this. Okay. <laughs> and They should take him one. And they should take him one. Uh, because there's a fit there. And even if LaMelo Ball has a chance to be the better player. He's not so much the better player that that you go with best player available over that over that okay. fit. Um I would um 
actually, this is easy. I mean, James Wiseman to me, uh, and there's been a lot of smoke for this, but James Wiseman is a perfect fit for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, same thing, you know, basically the same um, explanation for Edwards going to, to Minnesota. Uh, just like uh, the Timberwolves are starving for wing, wing, a, a wing score, um, the, the Hornets are starving for, for a big, especially a running, a, a, a running jump big like, like James Wiseman. Uh, let's just assume that the Hornets don't make any major changes to their to their front court, but Graham and and um, to their roster. I mean, but but Graham and um, and uh, and Terry Rozier are, are really good pick and roll um, guards to 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 go with him. Uh, I think that James Wiseman, um, his rim protection or his potential in the rim protection uh, makes up for a really small backcourt that that the uh that charlotte has uh and you know they have miles bridges currently is like you know kind of pick and pop four or stretch four uh with some athleticism so uh james wiseman really fits there and um if i'm Lamelo ball i want to drop to number seven and i want to be taken by the detroit pistons he gets the ball from day one there uh, and, and I think, um, you know, he, he gets the ball from, from day one. Uh, he's, he's got a chance to not only does he get the ball, but the ball, you know, he doesn't get the ball and bring the ball up to court and just pass it off to somebody like that. He, the run, the offense kind of run through him a little bit. Uh, so I, I think that I would say New York, but, um, you know, I, Obviously, New York needs a point guard, but New York has like 17 point guards right now. Yeah. So not, none of, of them are very good, though. None of them are very good, but there's still internal competition, right? Yeah. So you're still going to have to deal with that. And, you know, with internal competition comes a lot of stuff that you have to deal with off the floor that, you know, might not really be conducive to, to his development. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'd rather see the Knicks get somebody like Patrick Williams where there's not a lot of internal competition for, mm. for that spot at the wing. So um, I would rather, I think that his best fit is, is either De- is, is, is Detroit or it could be uh, Chicago, but you know, Kobe White and Zach Levine are there. So there'd be some in- internal, obviously internal competition there too. Very interesting. The DSPN reports that LaMelo ball does a workout yesterday and in addition to the the obvious top three teams Detroit was there uh and you know whether that's smoke of them moving up or maybe his camp sees exactly what you see Tony uh sees this as the best fit uh you know for LaMelo and and is trying trying to get him there I thought that was a really interesting tidbit and you know one thing on LaMelo which is so interesting to me he got more tier one votes than Edwards and Wiseman but he also got more tier three votes than Edwards or Wiseman did. And one team gave him a tier four vote, uh, which just goes to show you that there's there's a lot of polarization right now on LaMelo Ball. And I think a lot of it has to do, again, with the reputation of his father, um, with teams wondering how serious he's going to be. Is this a big marketing ploy for him or is he gonna work? And, and, and from what, what I hear from teams that have really done their homework, they say that's really unfair. Uh, characterization of LaMelo and how he handled himself in Australia, um, what the team thought of him there, what his teammates and coaches thought of him there. And so it's really interesting that, you know, unfortunately you can get labeled uh, as a prospect sometimes for stuff that you have nothing to do with, um, right? And it, it, and it can carry with you. And so I, I, I don't think I've ever in all my years doing a draft tier uh, thing had a guy who received votes in tier one, tier two, tier three, and tier four. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, Wiseman and Edwards were much more consistent um, there um, as well. All right, that's tier one and tier two uh, from our 2020 Draft Tiers podcast. I'm with Tony Jones of The Athletic. Check him out. Uh, and all the columns that he's been writing for The Athletic has a great column on Sam Merrill. 
prospect out of Utah State. Maybe we'll even talk about Sam Merrill a little bit later down uh, in one of these tiers. Uh, a, a guy that's an absolute sleeper in, in the 2020 NBA draft. He's going to be doing a lot of draft coverage all week for The Athletic next week. When we come back, we are going to talk about Tier 3 and Tier 4, high-level starters, potential starters rotation players in the 2020 NBA draft. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's time to point out that the NBA draft is just a few days away, and the Locked On NBA podcast is mock drafting every first-round pick. I play a role in that. I give analysis after every three picks. But you have every Locked On NBA podcast host selecting for their team every day, go through about six, seven picks, and you get analysis from me, the Athletics' John Hollinger, Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked On NBA today wherever you get your podcast. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. There are 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the coconut almond, the raspberry, the banana bread, one of my favorites, the mint brownie. Also love that orange bar and the coconut one as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system, I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein, uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we're back talking 2020 NBA draft tiers. I'm with the Athletics' Tony Jones. We are talking about our draft tiers, how we have them ranked. Tony's made his personal rankings. I've been talking to NBA teams and and scouts and sort of surveying them for mine. And you'll be able to find all of mine, by the way, uh, on my website, nbabigboard.com. Look for 2020 draft tiers, and you'll be able to see uh, my list here. Tony, we've talked about only three players and mine, and four players in yours in the top two tiers, that is why it's considered somewhat of a weak draft, right? Typically, there's going to be more players that we're talking about up to this point. At tier three, it starts to open up a little bit, uh, at least at least in my mind, and this is start, starting to get into the strength of the draft. Curious what players you had in tier three, and again, just a reminder to our listeners, tier three are, are players that project as high-level starters uh, in the NBA. Uh, they might not be the best player on their team. They might not ever make an all-star team, uh, but they're going to be solid contributors to this team, to the team that drafts them as a starter in the league. Who do you have in your tier three? Well, this, like you said, this is the strength of the draft um, because there are more of these guys. There are more tier three guys and tier four guys than tier one and tier two guys. And that helps the teams that are going to be in the 20s. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, the Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets. It's going to help those teams uh, because there's going to be a lot of depth there. Um, but my tier three guys are Denny Abdesia, um, Obi Toppin, Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes, Isaac Okoro, Onyeka Onkongwu, uh, Sadiq Bey, I had him tier four, but I kind of moved him up to tier three just because he does two things extremely well. He defends and he shoots the three extremely well. And I think that's going to, and, 
and uh, Devin Vassell or Devin Vassell uh, and Aaron Neesmith. All right. Okay, Tony, mine's close. Uh, I have Patrick Williams in Tier 3. Tony has him in Tier 3, but he was a very close cut uh, for, for me from making making Tier 2. Uh, I have all the other players uh, that Tony talks about, Denny Avdia, Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes, Onyeko Kongwu, Isaac Okoro, Obi Toppin, uh, Devin Vassell. Don't have Sadiq Bey uh, or Aaron uh, Neesmith in my Tier um, 3 uh, but again, in talking to NBA scouts, they received a lot of tier three votes, not enough to kind of put them over the top, but there was a significant number of teams uh, that that saw them as potential tier three. Um, they do slide to tier four in mine. Of these tier three guys, Tony, who's your favorite? You know, that that's a that is a really great question, um, because you want a tier three prospect that can that can potentially be a tier two guy, right? Um, so, you know, I, I would say under that, under that, I, I would say Tyrese Halliburton, um, because I think he is so skilled and he's big enough that he, there's a chance that he outplays that and he makes a couple of all-star teams. I'm just worried about his athleticism at this point, but if he can prove that the athleticism um, if he can prove that the athleticism isn't a hindrance, especially defensively, his skill level is high enough that if he goes to the right team, like if he goes to, like I, I, I said, I don't want LaMelo Ball on the Knicks, but I think Tyrese Halliburton will be good, very good on the Knicks um, because it's just two different, two different guys in two different places, kind of two different places in life. And you don't have – you know, obviously Halliburton's not going to have a father sitting in the in the front row screaming at the coach from from across the court. <laughs> um, but you know, like I said, if 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 Halliburton can figure out a way to to be impactful athletic athletically, he is super super skilled, and I think that there's a chance that he might be able to outplay this, a tier three ranking. Uh, he's my favorite as well. Um, and, uh, I, I actually love him on the bulls, uh, too, uh, at four. And he, he, to me of all the prospects in this draft, he has the highest floor of anybody. It's hard to see how Tyrese Halliburton fails given the litany of skills that he has. And, and athleticism is probably the biggest question mark, but it's not like he's a terrible athlete. Uh, it's not like we're talking about a guy who is a, as a negative as far as athleticism goes, but he, you're right. He doesn't have that elite athleticism. Patrick Williams, probably that other guy um, for me. Interestingly, uh, Williams got a tier two vote and Toppin, Obi Toppin got a tier two vote from an NBA team. Um, all the rest uh, got uh, tier three um, votes. And, and then Hayes, Okoro and Vassell all actually received a small number of tier four, four votes as well. And so they're not unanimous in tier three among NBA teams. Some teams are a little bit further down um, on them. But that means that 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 Avdia, um, Halliburton uh, and, uh, you know, Toppin, Patrick Williams, very, very solidly among NBA teams in top three uh, in top three. And then a few of those on the bubble. Uh, if there was a guy that you would, who was the last guy that made your tier three? Who was like, who was the last one in for you? Well, I think it was Neesmith because he's got the most overall weakness. Um, but Neesmith made my, my tier three because he's the best in his draft at, at like maybe the most important skill in the, in today's NBA. He's the best shooter in this draft. And he's the best shooter with length, and he's the best shooter with as somebody who moves extremely well without the basketball. Um, he is somebody that I just think is going to can just bend entire games with the shooting. And there are not many guys in this league that can do that. Um, JJ Redick has been one for a decade. Duncan Robinson is currently the one, right? Like Duncan Robinson is the guy that 
has so draw draw so much gravity. And we're we're not talking about the obvious guys like Stephen Curry because Stephen Curry does so many other things, right? Like he's an elite passion, elite ball handler, elite pick and roll guy, elite at everything. We're talking about a guy that's a specialty. And and Duncan Robinson is probably that that guy. And and Neesmith is the closest thing in this draft to, to, to Duncan Robinson. I think you make a great point because sometimes what has to happen is you have to have one elite skill in the NBA. Right, if you're going to make it, there's like one thing that you do incredibly well. And for Neesmith, if he's going to shoot anywhere near the way that he shot at Vanderbilt last year, he's got a long, long career in the NBA just on that one skill alone. And you know, one of the the mistakes I think you know Tony that I used to make earlier uh, when when I was younger analyzing draft prospects is I loved guys with like lots of tools. I would fall in love with guys that had, you know, five, six tools, but none of those tools were particularly good, right? Like, you know, they were average or above average, but the fact that they had so many tools in their repertoire would would convince me that they were going to make it in the league. And almost every single one of those players ended up busting out uh, of the league because there wasn't one thing that they could hang their hat on uh, to get them minutes, uh, you know, uh, you know, from a coach and to trust them to be on the floor. And so when you see a player like Neesmith, you may say, okay, he's a little bit one-dimensional. You know, maybe some of these other prospects have more things to their game, but he does it at an elite level and that's going to get him on the floor. Right. Exactly. Like he, you know, you know, when you put him on the floor, you know, you know why he's there, right? Like he's like, he's just, and to me, he's an incredible shooter. I mean, he's 52% at Vanderbilt last year and it was on seven threes a game. So it wasn't like 52% on like three or four threes a game. I mean, this guy was shooting them at volume and uh, he was, he was, you know, making them at, he was making half of them. So, you know, the, the thing that I like about that is that he has size. He's six foot seven, right? So, you know, he has size and length. So he's going to be able to get a shot off theoretically so you know if he goes to somebody you know let's say he goes to phoenix you know just think of how many opposite wing three-point looks he's going to get you know with with devin booker handling the ball on the opposite end of the floor i mean so it's 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 definitely a tantalizing prospect and and it's a skill by the way he has an elite skill and one of the most coveted skills uh, right now that the NBA has, right? And so that that's a great fit. Let's talk tier four now. These are potential starters, rotation players. You know, this might be your your fifth starter or, you know, first guy off the bench, second guy off the bench playing significant minutes uh, for a team. That's that's sort of how we reserve tier four. And I also like it. One thing I like about the tiers is it gives us some, some sense of uh, – of scale to what's happening in the draft. This is not the NFL draft where you're in round three and you're still expecting, you know, to draft the starter, right? I mean, you have to have realistic. If you look at NBA drafts and look out like five years after that draft, you know, half the first round are are either out of the league or they're playing minor roles in the league. And that's just, that's just the way it is, right? In every draft. And so when we get to tier four, you start to have some realistic expectations about what this prospect is is going to bring to the table, and that doesn't mean that they're valuable because you know having a, a great uh, rotation player or having a guy uh, you know who can consistently come in and be you know your fourth or fifth start of the team is helpful to a lot of teams, especially uh, if they're able to do it fairly quickly on a rookie conflict uh, contract. So, Tony, who are your tier four guys? Now, this first guy on my tier four can be a can can rise to be a tier three guy okay or he can fall out of his tiers altogether okay um um i feel like i know where you're going with this one actually the first two guys okay so the first guy i'm talking about is Jaden mcdaniels okay um and and i think he could actually rise and be a tier two guy he can be mm-hmm. a tier two guy or he can be out of the league mm-hmm. the second one is aleski uh Pokaszewski. Um, I both of those guys that I didn't know what to do with them um, mm-hmm. because their floors are so low and their but their ceilings are so high. So don't quite know what they where they're going to be. So you put them. So I, I just put them in tier four. Um, and 
you know, tier four, the, like you said, these are the solid guys. I got Isaiah Stewart in tier four. I have Desmond Bain in tier four uh, because I believe in his shooting and I, and I believe in his competitiveness. Uh, like I said on our previous podcast, he reminds me a lot of Wesley Matthews. Um, I have Precious Ashua in tier four. Uh, I have Kyra Lewis in tier four. Um, and I also have um, Jalen Smith in tier four. Okay. Uh, ours are lining up uh, pretty closely. I had a couple of leftovers that you had in tier three and Sadiq Bay and Aaron Neesmith in my tier four. Precious is in my tier four. Leandro Bolomaro uh, made the tier four cut barely. Um, I don't think he made yours. RJ Hampton uh, also made the tier four cut. Uh, Kira Lewis, you mentioned. Tyrese Maxey uh, made the tier four cut uh, for teams. Jade McDaniels is there. Uh, Alexis Pokashevsky uh, there as well. Jalen Smith, you mentioned. And and one that, again, is a bit of a polarizing prospect, Ty- Tyrell Terry, uh, point guard out of Stanford. So my, my tier four, I was surprised, was a little bit bigger than I expected it to be. Usually it's a little bit smaller. Uh, includes a few guys. And and I think we left one guy out that, that you had in your tier uh, four, which was Desmond Bain, uh, who was v- right on the bubble. Uh, probably like one one or two votes away uh, from popping into tier four. Of of those guys, you talked about, you know, two that are the most intriguing to you, Jaden McDaniels, Pokashevsky, who have this insane range. Now, I didn't get anybody voting um, for either of these guys in tier two, but they definitely got tier three votes, um, interestingly, as as did Neesmith and uh, Sadiqe Bey and Kira Lewis, actually, uh, who is who definitely for some teams, I think, you know, see him as a potential uh, starting point guard in in the league. Um, McDaniels, Pokacheski, I think you're absolutely right. Like these are these prospects that they're like a blank slate and you can kind of, you can kind of project them out with their, with their tools and, and you know, their size to, to, to be all-stars. And then you could also say, like you said, they could be out of the league in three years and, it's so hard to identify from year to year who those guys are going to be. I mean, there was a reason in 2013, there was a tier one player in 2013. His name was Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, right? But 14 teams pass on him, right? On draft night, because of this exact same reason, he was playing second division in Greece. You know, uh, what is he going to do at the next level? He can't really shoot the basketball. He had this this insane ability to sort of handle the ball and move around. But is that what he does in the NBA? And, you know, you looked at all the physical tools and fell in love, and you could tell that there was something special about him. But it was actually really, really hard to project what that was going to look like at the NBA. And so you can scoff at teams that, that, that Giannis slides to 15, but – you know, it was it was a hard bet. Every team I talked to, like probably like from pick like eight or nine, liked him, uh, was intrigued by him, thought about taking him. And Boston, poor Boston, you know, who actually really really liked him, uh, takes Kelly Olenek, uh, you know, right in front of him uh, instead. Poor Dallas, who was all over him gets a call from their owner that says, actually, you know, trade down. We need to clear a little bit more cap room. We're going to make a, you know, a a run at a free agent. I mean, there was other teams that almost had their hands on Giannis and he slips through their fingers. Well, how about the Utah Jazz? You know, what, what does their future look like if they take Giannis at 14 and Rudy Gobert at 21 or just gets Rudy Gobert at 27, like, like they did. And they have Giannis and Rudy. Gordon Hayward probably doesn't leave. Yeah. And, uh, but, but it's, I guess my point is it's defensible why they didn't take him because anybody that says that they knew that Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to be the MVP of the league. Well, nobody knew he was going to be a top three player in the league. Nobody. I I don't think anybody knew he was going to be a superstar, let alone an MVP. I thought there were people who, who said, okay, you know, best case scenario, I think that that people realized that he could be thought that he could be an all-star like best case scenario, but nobody thought he was going to be this. Yeah. You know, I, I talked uh, to Milwaukee uh, on draft night 
And, you know, I, I have a lot of debriefs with teams. A lot of teams are, I'm going to do draft grades, so they're calling, they're lobbying. It's really funny. You know, draft night's actually a really busy night for me because all these teams start lobbying. Uh, you know, why, you know, this pick was, you know, sort of great, you know, for them. And it's really funny because, you know, obviously draft grades on draft night is, is pretty premature. That's like getting a draft, getting a grade on the first day of class, right? Um, but their take was, you know, be patient with us. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna develop him in the D League. Uh, if you remember at the time, Milwaukee was thinking that they're probably going to be a playoff team. Uh, then, you know, there's some free agent things happen, some injuries happen, and and you know the thing changes. But but you know, Milwaukee was really looking at when they drafted him. It'll be a couple of years before he comes in and really plays significant minutes for us. We're going to you know take our time, develop him, you know, send him to the D League. The situation changes. They throw him into the starting lineup a lot like they did Dirk. He wasn't he wasn't great his rookie year, but you could start to see the signs that they were onto something. And then in year two, you know, he explodes. And so if your team is passing on Jaden McDaniels or Pokashevsky, there's a real risk here, but the reward is high. Uh, I, I'm I'm with you with both of these prospects. You know, Pokashevsky scares me just a little bit because I don't think you can develop his body. I mean, there's a little bit that you can do there, but that frame that 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 he's carrying around, there's only so much you can do with a with a player that has that sort of body frame, uh, and and that that does scare me a little bit um, with him. But the talent is certainly there. Who was the last guy to make your tier four board? Um, I thought it was Isaiah Stewart. Um, okay, because I don't know how he defends. In, in, in the NBA, uh, I don't think he's a rim protector. I'm not sure how he defends pick and roll. But he's a guy that I think, like, at the height of his career, is going to find a way to put up, you know, 16, 17, 18, and 10. You know, he's just going to be really productive. Uh, he's going to shoot the ball well out to three, I believe, in the shot. Uh, I believe in his ability to score. He has an elite skill, uh, NBA skill, and 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 the fact that he rebounds at an elite level to me, um, you know, it's just the thing with him. He's going to have to do a lot facing up instead of with his back to the basket. Um, but you know, he's that guy that's going to be really productive. Uh, you know, like I don't think that he bends a team one direction or another. The production that he might have might be for a bad team. It might be, you know, uh, at the at the you know at the pinnacle of his career. Um, but you know, I mean, it's like kind of like Al Jefferson, right? Like he put up eighteen and twelve for years, you know. But he didn't really affect winning like that. But you know, he still put up, you know, eighteen and twelve. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart's that kind of that kind of guy. But um, I, I definitely think that. You know, w- once he gets his footing in the league, he's going to be able to score and he's going to be able to to do a lot of stuff that shows up on the stat sheet. Let's uh, take a break. And when we come back, we will finish off with tier five and tier six on our 2020 draft tier column. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're back. I'm with The Athletic's Tony Jones. He's been doing a lot of great draft work over at The Athletic. If you haven't had a chance to go over and look at, at, at their product and subscribe, he has a great column on a guy that maybe is going to make one of these tiers pretty pretty soon, Sam Sam Merrill out of Utah State. going to be doing a lot of draft stuff. Is on the Utah Jazz beat as well. Deeply connected, tied into what's going on in Utah right now. And we're moving through tiers. And we've done four tiers right now. We're now at tier five, which is around deep rotation players. And by the way, you can follow along, uh, at least on my draft tier column, at nbabigboard.com, where I've written up uh, my analysis based off of talking to a lot of NBA scouts. Tony's brought his own analysis to the table as well. We're comparing our, our draft tiers right now. We're at tier five. These are deep rotation players. These are guys that are, you know, the eighth, ninth, tenth man, uh, you know, off the bench uh, for a team right now. 
Who do you have in tier five, Tony? I have RJ Hampton. I have Tyrese Maxey. I have Cole Anthony. Mm -hmm. I have Trey Jones, who I almost had in tier four. Uh, I have Leandro Balmero. I have Theo Maladin. I have Robert Woodard. I have Tyrell Terry. I have Cassius Winston. I have Malachi Flynn. I have Xavier Tillman. All right. Lot. Okay. Surprise. One more thing. Okay. Well, we're definitely going to talk about Lamar Stevens. That is a surprise. So Tony's got a few guys that I've got in tier four, in his tier five, uh, a couple of uh, guys that um, that that I didn't have uh, in my uh, tier four that Tony had that are in our tier five. But this is not surprising, right? This is where consensus starts to break down a little more. Here are my tier five uh, rotation players. Cole Anthony, uh, Tony had him as well. Doku Azabuke. Uh, out of Kansas, uh, Desmond Bain, uh, who Tony had as a tier uh, tier four guy, Tyler Bay, uh, out of Colorado, Vernon Carey Jr., uh, big man out of Duke, uh, Devon Dotson, guard out of Kansas, Malachi Flynn, Tony and I are, see that uh, one the same, Josh Green, uh, wing out of Arizona, Trey Jones, point guard out of Duke, Theo Maladon out of France, Zeke Naji, uh, the center out of Arizona, who's been rising on some draft boards, Daniel Oturo. I have a huge tier five, by the way, uh, center out of Minnesota. Peyton Pritchard, point guard out of Oregon. Jamius Ramsey, shooting guard out of Texas Tech. Paul Reed, out of DePaul. Xavier Tillman, Isaiah Stewart, uh, who Tony had uh, in tier four. Robert Woodward, um, the third. And and mine's a little bit bigger because these were players that teams, that there was at least a couple of teams that had them in their top 30 uh, and and saw them as that as that sort of player and other teams had them in their you know tier six, they're all over the board on this. Who's your favorite player in this tier five, uh, Tony? Well, I, I, I would say, I would also say that I had Tyler Bay and Josh Green really close. Okay. To, to tier, to tier five. Uh, I believe in both of those guys. Um, you know, I just, you know, and I had Grant Rilla pretty, pretty close as well. Okay. Um, um, my favorite is Malachi Flynn um, because I I think that he has a chance to outplay the tier. I think he has a chance to be a starter. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that that sits down and defends really well. Uh, and, you know, it's similar to 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 LaMelo Ball, right? Like what's his strength? And how does it line up to, to what you need in the NBA? Anybody who's a, a really good pick-and-roll player is going to have a chance in this league. And Malachi Flynn is one of the best pick-and-roll players in this draft. Um, and he's uh, an insane competitor. He's gotten, you know, he, you know, I followed his career in the Pac-12. He was really good at Washington State. And then when he went to San Diego State, he was even better. So it's clear that he works on his craft. Uh, he's really he got a really terrific handle. Uh, the question that I have with Malachi Flynn is his lack of size, doesn't have top-end athleticism. Can he finish at the basket? Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet proved that he could finish at the basket, and I think that Malachi Flynn has a lot of Fred Van Vliet in them from a competitive standpoint. So mm-hmm. – if Malachi Flynn can figure out how to finish in the lane and the three-point shooting stands up, uh, holds up, he's got a chance to outplay the tier and be become a solid NBA starter. Yeah, my two guys were Desmond Bain, who you actually have in tier four, uh, so that makes sense, and then and then Malachi Flynn um, as well. And I, I agree with you. I, I actually see Flynn either being a, a very high-level backup point guard in the NBA but he may actually overperform that and actually start. And, and I think he's a very intriguing prospect as you start to get into the late teens, early 20s for playoff teams who, you know, I think the thing that you can say about Flynn is, man, he just can play. He can just flat out play. And while there definitely are some weaknesses to his, his game and physicality, they aren't terrible. 
um, right? We're not talking about like Cassius Winston, who who graded out as the the single worst athlete in the draft, right? We're not talking about like historically bad athlete, but again, not not a, not necessarily explosive either. Uh, that's really interesting. You know, as I looked over mine, um, Cole Anthony, Desmond Bain, um, uh, Vernon Carey Jr., uh, Malachi Flynn, Josh Green, Theo Maladon, Robert Woodward III all actually got some tier four votes. Uh, and and Anthony Bain, Green, and Maladon were like right on the cusp uh, of making tier four. And then there was a, lo- a lot of these players that also received tier six votes as a bouquet, Jones, a Turo, Pritchard, Reed. Woodward actually has a has a bit of that range too. Like he got some four, five, and six um, votes. Uh, you had a sleeper for us uh, in in tier five. Tell me about Lamar. Well, the thing with Lamar is, I think that I, I think that he has shot upside, and if the if if he can figure out a way to develop his shot, uh, he's skilled, but he's really big and he's powerful. And he's got real defensive upside, um, went through the wars in the Big Ten. He's a Philly kid. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to get – it's hard to find a tougher kid than a Philly kid. And, you know, he's just a guy that I think that, you know, five years down the road, people are going to be like, wait a minute, why is he like the sixth man on, on like a championship contender? Mm-hmm. How did he get here? And I just I just think that he's one of those guys, you know. He's skilled, uh, he's tough, he's mature. Uh, do I want to say older, mature? You know. So you know, you, you know, he's he's mature. He's been through four years of school. I mean, he's you know he in in high school he played he played high school basketball at the highest level at Roman Catholic. Um, he's just a guy that, that, that I like, you know, same thing, you know, he's like a Brad Wanamaker, you know, it's funny. I make that comparison. They went to the same high school. Um, but you know, Brad Wanamaker, you know, not great at one thing, but he's really good at a lot of things and he's become a high level backup point guard, um, for, you know, a, a team that was a championship contender. So, I think Lamar Stevens can do can do the same thing uh, from a wing spot. Six seven, six eight, two hundred fifty five, two hundred sixty pounds. Um, you know, it, it, he's. I think he's got a chance to to really be a valuable contributor down the road for some teams. All right, Tony, I love it. I love it whenever we we challenge conventional wisdom. I think that's a great great uh, great thing, and I'm I'm going to do this in tier six as well um, in a minute. So let's go to tier six. I call this category, so you're saying they've got a chance, right? Uh, these these were the last little group of prospects that got one vote from one scout as a top 30 prospect for me. They're, they're most likely all of these, these players are going to be drafted in the second round. And given the history of second round prospects, it means most of them are probably going to wash out of the league. But there's at least one champion that 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 these guys have, you know, from an NBA team that says, you know, you got to give them a chance. Uh, Tony, who's in your tier six? I have Peyton Pritchard. I have Sam Merrill. Uh, I have Vernon Carey. Um, this one might surprise you. I have Mamadi Diakite. Okay. Uh, I have Najee Marshall. Uh, I have Nico Mannion. I have Jalen Harris. I have Jamias Ramsey. Uh, this one might surprise you. I have Jay Scrub. I have Isaiah Joe. I have uh, Devon Dotson. I have Daniel Otoro. Uh, and I have, because of the shooting, I have Jordan Wara. All right. Uh, some of ours are similar. Uh, there's some different ones as well. My tier six, uh, and, and he obviously talked about a couple of prospects, Otero, Pritchard, um, for example, that that I had in, in Tier 5. My Tier 6 was Tyshawn Alexander uh, out of Creighton, Elijah Hughes out of Syracuse, Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas, Nico Mannion out of Arizona, Sam Merrill out of Utah State, 
Jordan Nawara out of Louisville. I thought this was going to come as a, a surprise, but you mentioned him as well. Jay Scrub, who maybe we should talk about a little bit, our Juco Player of the Year. And Cassius Winston, point guard out of Michigan State, uh, was uh, rounded out my tier six. These, these, All of these prospects got at least, for me, one NBA champion who said, you know, you got it. You got to take another look at this. I think, I think that they're underrated. Uh, who's your favorite player from from tier six, Tony? You know, I love Diakite. You know okay. why? And I'm, I'm my official pick is going to be Jay Scrub, but I love Diakite because I think that he's got a chance to be a real defensive specialist in the league. Uh, protects the rim really well, but also holds up very well on pick and roll. Uh, I think people remember Diakite. He was the uh, he made the uh, the game tying shot to send the game to send Virginia to overtime uh, in the final eight a couple of years ago. Um, but you know he you know he's got you know he's six ten. He's got a seven four wingspan. Uh, he's another kid. Uh, you know he's another value kid that that's tough. Play four years of school. Um, you know, it's just going to be about whether he can develop his shot or develop any kind of offense whatsoever. Um, but defensively, I think he's there. Um, but uh, my favorite is Jay Scrub because I think he has an elite skill set. Uh, well, one elite skill set, I'm sorry, which is I think he's a he has a chance to be a dynamic NBA scorer. And um, I think that he if he had matriculated to Louisville, I actually wish he did, but I think if he had gone to Louisville, I think we're talking mid first round for him uh, in one year, but he goes straight out of Juco, you know, we're in COVID teams don't have as much of a chance to, to see him dissect his game one way or the other. Uh, so now we're talking, you know, second round. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that he's a dynamic athlete, just knows how to put the ball in the basket He's a natural – well, he's a left-hander. Uh, so, you know, lefties have, you know, kind of a natural uh, a nat- a natural advantage offensively. Um, and, you know, he's a dog. Like, he's a competitor. So, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that I really like uh, in, that- in that tier. I'll, I'll go a step further uh, and say that I talked to two scouts who swear to me he's going in the first round. Uh, that he has been the most underrated uh, prospect in this draft for all the reasons that that you talked about, and they're they're even eyeing particular teams. Portland Trailblazers have been all over him, and the Boston Celtics, who have three picks uh, in the first round, have been all over uh, Jay Scrub, and he's going to be the guy on draft night that might get his name called in the first round of the draft, and people are going to be like, "Who uh, is this?" and and it's really interesting because a lot of teams, like you said, are way off the radar. In fact, he didn't make my top 60 when I was talking to teams. And it wasn't until I started putting this together uh, that, you know, Scrub's name started surfacing and I started doing a little bit more digging. And I think a lot of teams are trying to keep him a secret <laughs> right now uh, as well. They think they, that they're onto something there. So I think that that's a really interesting uh, a player to talk about. Let's, let's do one more because you just wrote a feature on him, Sam Merrill out at, of at Utah State. Why does Sam Merrill deserve a chance in the NBA? Well, he's, he's another one of those guys. Um, obviously, he's not on the level of, of Tyrese Halliburton, but he's, you know, or, you know, or even a Malachi Flynn, but he's another one of those guys that's just really, really skilled, right? Like, he's one of the best shooters in the class, uh, moves extremely well with the, out the basketball, basketball IQ through the roof, but he's not just a shooter. He can handle pick and roll. Uh, he can he you know he he can he can run an offense. Uh, scores at three levels. Question with Sam is who does he guard at the NBA level? Can he guard his position? Uh, and can he you know same thing? Can he finish once he gets into the lane? Um, you know he's a guy that I think teams from talking to teams are reasonably. Um, uh, reasonably confident that he can play the point at the NBA level. 
And if he can play the point at the NBA level, then all of a sudden he has really good size for his position because he's six foot five, solid 210 pounds. Um, and, and, you know, size for position goes into a lot of these things. Uh, one of the things, one of the reasons why LaMelo Ball is such a good prospect because he's a six, seven point guard, you know, so uh, I, I think that if he can answer reasonably answer the questions surrounding his defense uh, and his athleticism, uh, his skill set, his overall skill uh, gives him a chance to carve out an NBA career. I agree. I think he's a great second round prospect and he had a champion, uh, by the way, in the first round uh, as well. And uh, he compared a lot of players that have been taken much higher than him and, and said, I, I like Sam Merrill better. And uh, this might be one of these guys, too, playing at Utah State. Doesn't get the same amount of eyeballs on him uh, that a lot of, a lot of prospects uh, do uh, to what John Hollinger calls bad geography guys, uh, right? Uh, they're just not, not places where you know, a lot of NBA scouts are going to go. You've been listening to Tony Jones of The Athletic, and we've been breaking down the 2020 draft tiers. Tony? I thought you did an awesome job. I think this is really helpful. I think it's a really fun exercise and can't wait wait to have you back on the program uh, post-draft uh, to break down stuff that happened on the draft night as well as starting to talk about 2021 NBA draft stuff. Uh, just been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's been a pleasure uh, doing it. And, and the, I, like you said, this is a fun exercise, a fun th- think piece. It took, it took a while to put, the, put this stuff together. So yeah, it, it was it was definitely fun. All right, you've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Mm-hmm.